0: The views expressed in this program are those of the participants, and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW.
1: This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Offering is the truth, nothing more.
2: Good morning, London. It is Thursday, August 25th, 2011. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughan. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM,
3: where we'll be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing.
4: color into black and white under the bedclothes everything
2: will be all right and welcome to yet another edition of just right our final one for the summer months of july and august robert can you believe it i'm sad you're sad oh yeah. my goodness i love summer you do yeah i know you're uh, you lo- you just soak up the heat don't you yes yeah i, I know You guys from Newfoundland, I can't understand it. We're not used to it. (laughs) (laughs) 519-661-3600 is a number you can always call to join us today. And today, Robert and I are both very determined to be right. (laughs) But which one of us is? Again, Again, yes. And this is sort of a continuation of... One of the topics i covered two weeks ago on the show which i cleverly scheduled when robert was not here (laughs) and he called me up on it last week if you know if you recall from the beginning of the show and you were quite right robert that's why i did it then when you weren't there because this is the kind of thing that gets us wound up and and we we argue about our agreements it's really weird it's It's true it's a a strange subject
3: it turns out that i agree with you virtually on everything that you said on that show but for some reason, it rubbed me the wrong way. Yes, it did, and you were quite critical of me after
2: you first listened to it. But uh, you weren't the only one to write. We had a few listeners, and we thought we'd who wrote us, and we thought we'd start with them, and we'll go sure. carry on from there. But it seems like the whole theme today is going to be on the subject of, I guess we'd call it, free will versus determinism. And, of course, on my presentation a couple of weeks ago, I did conclude that I do believe in free will and that free will is a real thing, but it's not the thing that's normally being defined as free will. As soon as I got home, um, this letter must have been written like five minutes after the show from Rob S., and he writes, Hey, Bob, wicked show. My head hurts right now, (laughs) but it's a good hurt. Thank you for challenging our limits of thinking. I will listen to this again and recommend it to others thanks well thank you rob and i did write him back uh, to robert i let him know that i was just trying to spread the pain you know (laughs) (laughs) but it would wear off after a little while then we got a letter from another listener and uh who also liked the show and loved a lot of things that happened in it but apparently did not agree with some of my conclusions or reasonings and and he writes as following this is from jeremy m who writes from victoria bc and he writes the following as a recent poli philosophy graduate at the university of victoria i was interested to hear your recent program on free will and always appreciate your shows philosophical angle i've been listening every week for a couple of years now and the episode on artificial intelligence was another one of my favorites interesting he picks that too because that issue is very related to the same subject is, of determinism yes. and free will um, He writes, your points are always rational and persuasive, but I sometimes wonder if you're skirting around some of the fundamental metaphysical questions that underlie the free will debate. You acknowledge that there is a fundamental divide between the purely scientific line of thought and the, quote, religious-slash-philosophical line of thought. You also acknowledge that the phenomenon of free will, which you believe in, cannot be explained by physical science alone, which deals only with objects and not subjects. Why, then... Are you, and objectivists generally, so dismissive of the ideas of dualism, the soul, and the existence of God? Doesn't the existence of a will that can't be explained through physics alone imply the existence of other realms of reality that we don't understand and can't understand through science? Doesn't the existence of a universal and quote, end quote uh, objective ethical principles imply some kind of source? or at least a plane of reality external to the physical world where these principles exist. To dismiss such a realm as quote-unquote fantasy does not answer the question. I admire objectivism as one of the few philosophies based on rational, consistent, ethical principles, but I sometimes wonder about its ability to explain metaphysical underpinnings of these principles. If the world is not just some random domino effect where ethical principles are of no consequence, there must be some source of ethical principles and human freedom. Like, quest- like the question of first cause, I think this is one area where objectivist philosophy, like physical science, doesn't really have a clear answer. Perhaps the most rational position to take is that there are some phenomena we can't explain through science alone, and which originate outside of the deterministic chain of events. I would not classify this as a statement of faith, but of reason. Sometimes admitting that humanity doesn't have all the answers is the most reasonable thing to do. And then he adds, feel free to address this on the show if you wish. Well, you're getting it in spades today, (laughs) Jeremy. And it's interesting. As I read your letter, I, I could see that either I didn't do a very clear job of defining what my frame of reference was, or that maybe you have something else in the back of your mind that maybe you really didn't ask me. But first of all, a lot of the things that you suggested that I said, I really didn't say. For example, I did not acknowledge that there there's a fundamental divide between the purely scientific line of thought ...and the religious philosophical line of thought. No, what I said was that they were sa- the same... ...in their mutual false assumption of what free will is. Both believe that free will means free from the laws of reality. If that's what they're trying to pro- disprove, I, I would agree with them. And you said uh, that, I, that I also acknowledge the phenomenon of free will... ...can't be explained by physical science alone. No, actually, I said, said the opposite. I said that free will operates only in a determined environment and is part of that determined environment. Free will, properly defined, in accordance with the laws of reality and reason, can be explained by science. What cannot be predicted is the choices made by the exercise of free will. These are separate concepts, the choices made and the existence of free will itself. And then, then, then he asked the question, Robert, why are we so dismissive of the ideas of dualism, the soul, and the existence of God? Well, I wouldn't say we're dismissive, but because there's no evidence of any such phenomenon and I have never seen nor heard of a body acting without a mind nor have I seen or heard of a mind operating without a body there, there is nothing to dismiss other than a faith that accepts such notions without proof or evidence or worse in indirect contradiction to evidence and proof so that's if that's a dismissal then so be it but it's not just because out of hand I consider it and I say well I've seen no evidence how can I even go there I can't it's not even something I can consider And to the question, doesn't the existence of a will that can't be explained through physics imply the existence of other realms of reality? No, it doesn't, and why should it? You know, the lack of knowledge in any particular field does not imply any deity, God, or other realms of reality, which is a contradiction in terms. There's only one reality, Two competing realities would mean that one, or both of them, were unreal. You can't have two differing realities. That's um, Epistemologically, you can't do that. That's what the word reality means. Reality is what exists. And if there's two realities, then it's still one reality because they exist.
3: It's <laughs> metaphysically, that's impossible. Right. Not it's not
2: even... exactly. But we're talking from a point of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, you, you can't talk in those terms... And again, the question, doesn't the existence of a universal and objective ethical principle imply some kind of source? Well, principles don't exist in the metaphysical realm. They exist in the realm of knowledge only. And principles are discovered by observing reality, applying reason, and and arriving at a conclusion. A conclusion that, by the way, could still be an error. You know, to which the determinist would mean, you know, would have to say that error is determined as well. But to you know and then you say that, that to dismiss such a realm as fantasy doesn't answer the question again i didn't dismiss the realm as fantasy i described it as such <laughs> and i do dismiss all fantasies as being unreal since that's the meaning of fantasy it means unreal and, and and i love fantasy you listen to all the fantasy shows we play on you know clips we play on this show and with respect to objectivism's ability to explain the under, the metaphysical underpinnings of the, the principles the metaphysical underpinning of objectivism and rand repeats it repeatedly is existence exists and you can't argue beyond that that's called an axiom you know any other metaphysical assumption would imply that existence doesn't exist which would be a a contradiction in terms and in objectivism existence like free will is axiomatic which means you can't disprove it without a direct reference to the concept being disproved so you can't you can't talk about free will unless you accept that there's such a thing existing. You can't say, oh, this is voluntary and this is not unless the two concepts mean something different from each other, unless they mean something that distinguishes one action from the other. And, and we know that those distinctions exist. And uh, then Jeremy continues, if the world is not just some random domino effect, there must be some source of ethical principles. Well, the ethical source is the very world that is not just some random domino effect. After all, we know that actions have consequences. Therefore, ethics help us determine which actions are beneficial and which are harmful to our well-being. That's the standard of ethics, not about metaphysics and reality. We could just as well choose standards that are self-destructive, and many people do. We see this around the world all the time.
3: If I could just interject here for a second, Bob. The term "random." When he's talking about causal factors like a domino effect Mm -hmm. it's actually incorrect um randomness in a causal world does not exist there's no such thing as random in in the universe per se Um, even when you get down to the uh, subatomic level in quantum mechanics um, who is it stephen hawking in his book a brief history of time said while it appears that things just pop in and out of reality in a random nature, he says the world is still causal and just because of our ignorance of the way things happen does not necessarily mean that it, there is randomness. So um, I don't even use that word random without describing it as being an, um, well, even a non-causal when,
2: well, thing. Well, even, even as an adjective, to, I'm just thinking about it now, even as an adjective to the term domino effect, mm-hmm. dominoes aren't random. If one misses, yeah. <laughs> the effect stops. Yeah. They have to be dead on. Otherwise, you don't get that amazing. One causes the other; it's not random. Mm -hmm. And uh, sorry to pick on just that one word. No, no, that's no, that's that's great. Uh, And then he writes, like the question of first cause. I think this is one area where objectivist philosophy, like physical science, doesn't really have a clear answer. And the reason for that is because there is no first cause. There is no question of a first cause, um, either to existence or to the basic entities of existence.
3: But there is a second cause. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just joking.
2: Well, I think I know what you mean, too. And I might agree with it up to a certain point. But but certainly, um, and in any rights, perhaps the most rational position to take is that there are some phenomena we can't explain through science alone which originate outside the deterministic chain of events. Well, now think about this. If you really believe that, then you cannot act ethically, right? Since you cannot count on the consequences of your choices. If you don't believe in the, in, in the law of causality... On what do you base your ethics? Make-believe. You just make it up as you go along. Why act ethically if your actions do not produce a deterministic chain of events? That's the whole purpose of choice and action. Well said. Ethics would be impossible in a world where phenomena occur outside of the ter- deterministic chain of events. Suppose at one time you, you decided to turn the, the wheel of your car to the left and it went to the left, and the next time you turn the wheel of your car to the left and it goes to the right. How long do you think you're going to survive in traffic with, with things like that happening? It doesn't work that way we learn from the repeated experience and this is you know the universe is kind of a given to us we have to accept it as it is and we can't be talking about it well who made the universe because all that does is push the question back one further and a deity is no answer the belief in god is all about ignorance and a lack of knowledge i did a whole show on this and and moreover if you go into the history of religion itself you find that religion itself does not have a source in any deity or anything like that. It has a source in politics, (laughs) in the very issues we talk about. All religions are byproducts of of a political past. The Roman Catholic Church with Constantine in 325 AD, the Muslim religion with Muhammad. I mean, every every religion has its political past, and it's a political starting that starts a religion. And then along come literalists who take the religion literally and turn it into something it is not and never could ever be. So, you know, you have to... Ethics is determined by those, quote, deterministic chain, chain of events. And then to say, sometimes admitting that humanity doesn't have all the answers is the most reasonable thing to do. This is fascinating, because I just... This, this, this cued something, and I learned that, no, this is called giving up, or not wanting to know, because the knowledge of this fact does not produce a subjectively desirable fantasy result, such as, say, a and and eternal life. Now, ironically, objectivists have written in great detail about this very viewpoint. And with that, I have to send a sort of a cautionary warning to all critics of objectivism, you know? Over the years, Robert, I've seen every possible objection to Ayn Rand's philosophy you could think of. And every time I thought someone had made a great point to refute Rand, I would invariably discover some essay, book, or commentary that totally devoted to that one argument where she just tears it apart. She didn't do things lightly you know what i mean randomly or randomly that's a that's a good point and and there are very few people that 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 approached philosophy from the way that ayn rand did and and quote determined to be real in terms of what her philosophy about now objectivism is not an answer to all the world's problems or issue but its primary strength lies in epistemology teaching people not what to think but how to think And to think rightly, one must be objective, which in turn means being consistent with the laws of reality. So, uh, just an interesting footnote to this, you know, Leonard Peikoff writes, For a volitional uh, conceptual consciousness, a method of knowing reality is both necessary and possible. You don't give up. To define such a method, Ayn Rand holds, is the purpose of epistemology. And then he gives a warning. Beware of two deadly forms of error deadly because each involves a breach between man's consciousness and reality one error is to seek a shortcut to stare outward without engaging in thought waiting for external entities such as god to do the necessary cognitive work and the other error is to give up and to turn inward and ignore reality interesting just saw a demonstration of it and a good one too now we're going to Robert, I think you had a few points to uh, pick on my, on with me, too. In fact, when you first called me about this, you sounded just like Jeremy <laughs> in terms
3: of your criticisms of my uh, Actually, point. Actually, yeah, there were, some, uh, there were some parallels there from Jeremy's criticisms and mine when I called you on it. Yes. Um, but before we get we're into... We're all still <laughs> friends. <laughs> <laughs> sure, but before we get into stuff like that...
2: <laughs> Not me, says that in there. <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah, we're going to go to some breaks here, and I'm just going to preface them. Um, mm. What's coming up are some... Cuts from uh the matrix matrix uh, reloaded i think which dealt the whole trilogy dealt with the notion of free will and determinism in a machine world and what i just take these for what they're worth i mean we don't necessarily agree or disagree what's going on in these clips but um, that's always the case i think hollywood has you know determinism free will debate has has been great fodder for some really great hollywood movies my favorite movies
2: yeah alternate choices alternate universes great A time, because it going back you, in time they teach you about choices and the law of causality yeah. in a in a in a fantasy way yeah. so you can see your choices in a way they would never be presented to you in reality right so we'll be back right after this
5: you are here because you were sent here you were told to come here and then you obeyed <laughs> it is of course the way of all things you see there is only one constant one universal, it is the only real truth.
4: Causality.
5: Action, reaction. Cause and effect. Everything begins with choice. No. Wrong. Choice is an illusion created between those with power and those without. <sighs> Causality. There is no escape from it. We are forever slaves to it. Our only hope, our only peace is to understand it, to understand the why. Why is what separates us from them, you from me. Why is the only real source of power. Without it, you are powerless. And this is how you come to me, without why, without power. Another link in the chain. Now I have some real business to do, so I will say adieu and goodbye. Where are you going? Please, my chérie, I've told you. We are all victims of causality. I drink too much wine. I must take a piece. Cause and effect. Oh, well.
6: architect. I created the matrix. I've been waiting for you. You have many questions, and though the process has altered your consciousness, you remain irrevocably human. Ergo, some of my answers you will understand, and some of them you will not. Concordantly, while your first question may be the most pertinent, you may or may not realize it is also the most irrelevant. Why am I here? Your life is the sum of a remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming of the matrix. You are the eventuality of an anomaly which, despite my sincerest efforts, I have been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision. While it remains a burden assiduously avoided, it is not unexpected and thus not beyond a measure of control, which has led you inexorably... Here. You haven't answered my question. Quite right. Interesting. That was quicker than the others.
0: Others? Well, many. many? Others? others. What, what answer? answer. I don't
5: know. The
6: Matrix is older than you know. I prefer counting from the emergence of one integral anomaly to the emergence of the next, in which case this is the sixth version.
5: Five, five ones two before me.
6: There are only two possible explanations. There were five before me. <laughs> Either no one told me. Where well, no one knows. Precisely. As you are undoubtedly gathering, the anomaly is systemic, creating fluctuations in even the most simplistic equations. Let
4: control me! I'm gonna smash you again! Again! You can't make me do anything like this!
6: Choice. The problem is choice. There are two doors. The door to your right leads to the source and the salvation of Zion. The door to your left leads back to the Matrix, to her and to the end of your species. As you adequately put, the problem is choice. But we already know what you are going to do, don't we? Already I can see the chain reaction, the chemical precursors that signal the onset of an emotion designed specifically to overwhelm logic and reason, an emotion that is already blinding you from the simple and obvious truth she is going to die and there is nothing you can do to stop it. Hope. It is the quintessential human delusion
3: simultaneously the source of your greatest strength and your greatest weakness. And welcome back to Just Right. Now I want to continue on with uh, some of the questions that our listeners brought up about your show, Bob, Mm -hmm. and determinism, because I found this particular letter from um, Dennis, who actually wrote it onto your Facebook page, but you didn't have the time to. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis, I'm sorry.
2: I still haven't got to my Facebook page. You know I meant to do it again this morning, but we're in the middle
3: of this election, you know, and I'm kind (laughs) of... Carry on. Understood, yeah. So I answered uh, Mm -hmm. Dennis, and uh, I told him I'd address it on the show, and here it is. I've basically taken Dennis's... Uh, criticisms and then answered them within his own paragraph. So Dennis, he writes, "Well, I was thinking that determinist claim that our thoughts are mechan- oh, Me- mechanistically, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> <laughs> mechanistically determined in a strict cause-effect relationship, right?" And I say, "Right." He says, "What are the causal deterministic factors? Genes, experience, chemical balance in the brain, weather, etc." Correct. And I say, correct, although all of these can be broken down to electrical impulses and neuronal patterns in our brain, I, I think. He says, is it possible to perform a calculation of all of the things to figure out exactly what thought they would generate in a specific point of time? Of course not, he says. And I agree. Although our inability to calculate all of the causes of an action doesn't negate the fact that these causes exist and are reasons for our actions. And I think you said the same thing, Bob, before. Mm -hmm. Dennis writes again, Well then, how do determinists know that while thinking about the issue of determinism and coming to the conclusion that it is true rather than false, that they didn't make an error? Whether or not they made an error is determined, according to their view, by causal factors, which are far too vast, To ever be computed, aren't they? My answer is, reality is the arbiter of truth, and using reason and logic as we do in all things should bring us to a correct answer. Can we make mistakes in logic? Of course. Just as the advocate of free will makes a mistake in logic when they assert that human activity is somehow exempt from the laws of physics. Every thought and action is determined by its preceding causes, even if the thoughts may be false and the actions harmful. You just say the same yourself, Bob. We can make wrong decisions in our choosing. We can have moralities that are evil. Dennis goes on. How do they that know? That doesn't
2: mean our choices are determined, though, in the sense that people mean. No, and do exactly. Know, do you know that's that word said, "determined" yeah. is a terrible word because it and implies so is free will? By the way, it, no, The word "determined" used as a metaphysical physics term. Is being used as a social term where it actually implies a will. Like the word determined means somebody chose something, right? That's how it sounds. It has been determined. Well, by who? That's always There's always a who behind I, a I determined. Right? I
3: agree. The second definition of the word is sort of blurring the, uh, the, the, the real exactly. meaning and of what we mean. Exactly. And that's where a system. lot yeah. of the debate lies, yeah. a, is in that misuse of that word. It's in the language, it's it, in the English yes. language. Yeah. Dennis goes on, how do they know, determinists that is, that their causal factors are just in the right balance that didn't make a flaw in their reasoning? And I say, for the same reason that an advocate of free will knows that his reasoning is correct. You make observations, you develop a hypothesis or an argument, and you test your argument to hypothesis with the rules of logic and by the observations of reality. He says, am I making sense so far? And I have to say that you are. You're making sense, Dennis, if you apply the same critique to the advocates of free will, the points are valid questions, but apply to both sides of the debate. And, and to show that, I'm going to take your your argument, and I'm going to reword it. But instead of being critical of determinists, I'm going to be using the same argument to be critical of advocates of free will. And here it goes. Free will advocates claim that our thoughts are not. uh, I'm still tripping over that word mechanistic (laughs) (coughs) mechanically determined in a strict cause-effect relationship then what are the non-deterministic factors if they're not genes experiences chemical balances in the brain weather etc then what are they is it possible to perform a calculation of whatever these non-deterministic factors are to figure out exactly what thought that they would generate in a specific point in time or are these thoughts totally unpredictable and random Of course not. Well, then how do free will advocates know that while thinking about the issue of free will and coming to the conclusion that it is true rather than false, that they didn't make an error? Whether or not they made the error is a result of no causal factors. In other words, nothing caused their error. Therefore, they're infallible, right? Of course not. How do they know that their non-defined, non-causal factors, if such exist, are just in the right balance and they didn't make a flaw in their reasoning? see i have taken that argument i applied it to the that are free will advocates so this dennis is the point reasoning the argument is epistemological just as bob said epistemological in nature can only be solved if at all by reason the rules of reason apply to the argument of the determinist as they do to the argument of the free will advocate are the definitions established are the observations valid do the observations conform to reality is the logic sound is there a possible explanation for either argument which conforms to what we know to be true about reality? My point is that determinists postulate a reason for thought and action based on observable facts, and the explanation conforms to what we know to be true for all other things. So we're going to take another break now at the bottom of the hour. And what's coming up goes back to 1951 with a show called tales of tomorrow an episode what you need this is actually um a show that influenced rod Sterling to create the twilight zone is that right yeah. in fact he actually rewrote um this particular episode and did it on the twilight zone but seven years later
2: and it was called the same thing wasn't it I or think something so, very yeah. similar
3: what you need yeah. something like that yeah but it illustrates the point that this debate, again, is food for, um, or for, fodder for the, uh, for, the, for the mind when it comes to uh, uh, Hollywood and, and television. And this is a really interesting... And life in general. And life in general. <laughs> Following that, a clip from a movie I'm sure that most everybody out there has heard, Groundhog Day. <laughs> so we'll be back after the bottom of the hour. I asked you
4: not to come back. I had to come back. You saved my life. Then we'll say that I accept your thanks and let's be done with it. Those men, the ones who come here to get what they need. They're clients, they keep returning. What if they are? Well, if you're willing to help them when they're in trouble, why not me? Is it the money? I'll get the money. It's not the money. I help those who are worthy of help. Why is it so important that you should see into your future? All right. I'll be honest with you. That would be wise. A knowledge of the future would help me over hurdles, hurdles that have blocked me in the past. I want to get married, Mr. Talley. My girl thinks I'm a flop. She's not the kind who would marry a flop. If I can find out what's in store for me, for us... You labor I... under misapprehension. I cannot map out your future. Every man has several possible futures. The specific future that's to be yours must be your own free choice. Uh, I don't understand that. When you come in here, you're in the beam of my scanner. In my back room, I have a machine. By turning a calibrated dial, I can check on your possible futures. In one of these futures last night, I saw you killed by a printing press. And uh, in my other futures? I saw... Well, let's say that I saw various possibilities depending upon how you react to different crises that arise. Well, uh, tell me what they are. I can't do that. Why do you do it for others. It must be my own free choice. I stumbled on this power quite by accident. I don't care about that. But I do. I was a scientist. I, I worked with electronics, and I, at night I dabbled with astrology. The pure science and the abstract hobby led me to this. And I'm beginning to wonder if I can cope with it. That again?
0: I'm a god. You're a god. I'm a god. I'm not the god. I don't think.
4: Because you survived a car wreck?
0: You folks ready to order? I didn't just survive a wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Oh, really? And every morning I wake up without a scratch on me, not a dent in the fender. I am an immortal.
4: Why are you telling me this?
0: Because I want you to believe in me.
4: You're not a god. You can take my word for it. This is 12 years of Catholic school talking.
0: How do you know I'm not a god?
4: (laughs) Oh, please. How do you know? Because it's not possible.
0: Doris. This is Doris. Her brother-in-law, Carl, owns this diner. She's worked here since she was 17. More than anything else in her life, she wants to see Paris before she dies.
4: Oh, boy, what a... What are you doing?
0: This is Debbie Kleiser and her fiancé, Fred. Do oh, I know you? They're supposed to be getting married this afternoon, but Debbie is having second thoughts. What?
4: Lovely ring.
0: <laughs> this is Gus. He hates his life here. He wishes he stayed in the Navy. Well, I could have retired on half pay after 20 years.
4: Excuse me. That's some kind
0: of trick. Well, maybe the real God uses tricks. You know, maybe he's not omnipotent. He's just been around so long. He knows everything
4: how do you know these people i
0: told you i know everything in about five seconds a waiter's gonna drop a tray of dishes five four three (laughs) two one okay okay
4: what about me phil do you know me too
0: i know all about you you like boats but not the ocean you go to a lake in the summer with your family up in the mountains you're a sucker for french poetry and rhinestones You're very generous. You're kind to strangers and children.
4: How are you doing this?
0: I told you, I wake up every day right here, right in Punxsutawney, and it's always February 2nd. And there's nothing I can do about
4: it. Maybe it really is happening. I mean, how else could you know so much?
0: Well, there is no way. I'm not that smart.
4: Maybe I should spend the rest of the day with you as an objective witness, just to see what happens.
0: Gee, this sounds like a science project.
3: <laughs> Welcome back to Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where you can find all of our shows online dating back to... 2007. 2007, yeah, a long time been at this. And you can find that at justrightmedia.org. Also, you can get us at uh, feedback justrightmedia.org, or you can call the station here and give us a chat at uh, 519-661-3600. Love to hear from you. Go to Facebook as well, like us on Facebook. You can find us there for Just Right. Back to the debate about determinism and free will. Now, the free will advocates have yet to give a name, other than the tautological moniker free will, to what process creates a thought or precedes an action a human action in that in that in this case if thoughts are not caused they're outside the realm of what we know to be reality this makes thoughts supernatural this is this logic is the basis for all things mystical religion astrology the soul ghosts gods if thoughts and actions aren't determined then i'm still waiting for somebody out there other than a priest or a witch doctor to tell me how they develop Now, you just listen to that clip there from Groundhog Day, and remember when Bill Murray was saying, maybe God has just been around long enough to know everything, and that's why people think he's a god. Now we can predict things like he predicted that the waiter was going to drop that tray because he knew all of the preceding factors. He knew what was going on because he lived it before. There was a brilliant mathematician and philosopher by the name of Pierre Simon Laplace, who said that, quote, we may regard the present state of the universe as the effect of its past and the cause of its future. An intellect which at a certain moment would know all the forces that set nature in motion and all the positions of all the items of which nature is composed. If this intellect were also vast enough to submit these data to analysis, it would embrace in a single formula the movements of the greatest bodies of the universe and those of the tiniest atom for such an intellect nothing would be uncertain in the future just like the past would be present before its eyes and that's from his a philosophical essay on probabilities now this fictional intellect remember it's totally fictional but this fictional intellect is often referred to as Laplace's demon it illustrates the causal nature of the universe for which human thought and action are not exempt remember there's no mind brain dichotomy The mind is a function of the brain, and it's subject to the same physical and causal laws as everything else in the universe. To suggest otherwise imbues the human mind with supernatural qualities, qualities outside of nature. That's what supernatural means, outside of the universe. If such a thing is possible, I believe it's incumbent on the advocate for free will to come up with the evidence for such a remarkable claim. Now, given my observations on determinism i think a new definition of free will can be posited and it's going to sound much like your definition bob i think and it might satisfy many of the free will advocates out there and save them from having to admit that the rules of nature don't apply to the minds of men free will i believe is a phenomenon perceived by humans that their thoughts are not deterministic and not the result of physical predeterminants it can best be expressed as the feeling one gets that he's in control of his actions and that the prime motivator for his actions are his own thoughts uninfluenced by any other stimuli and that when presented with choices can can decide which actions to take based solely on his decision to act one way or to act another or to not act at all given we know of the laws of the universe
2: so what are you saying are you saying there's no free will by that argument
3: are you saying because i disagree with that no i have to continue on okay now given that we know the laws of the universe, we can therefore conclude that although free will exists as a concept and as a phenomenon, it is in fact, that is, a metaphysical fact, not an epistemological fact, an illusion. Now, just as interesting as the question of, is there free will, is the question, since we know that the law of causality is true, why do we have this illusion of free will? Why? Why do we have this debate, in other words? and i think the answer is twofold firstly just as our fan dennis described the factors which cause a thought in our mind are so complex in nature and so vast in number and so out of the realm of a full analysis that it's possible for us to conclude that there are no causes that thoughts occur spontaneously without cause that thoughts are not determined second Since we're actually a factor in the system under analysis, it becomes impossible, quite literally, by the way, to analyze the system objectively. In other words, outside of the system. The truth can only be derived at by reason and not by experimentation. Although a number of uh, recent clever experiments I've been reading about by psychologists are attempting to add to the analysis, and such experiments have, uh, from what I've been reading, have only confirmed the deterministic point of view, that is, they can see the precursors, much like in that matrix where the architect saw the precursors in the mi- mind of, a, mm-hmm. of Neo coming to the conclusion that he's going to try and save uh, Trinity. We must use our minds to study our minds. That's the problem. And given this position, this limitation, if you would, we're in the position of trying to explain a phenomenon which we all experience and to that degree it certainly exists but are left with only reason and language as our only tools to try and express our argument and the problem is not unlike trying to determine whether or not what i perceive as the color red is the same perception that you have when you see the color red there's absolutely no way to know we can only reason that since we're both of the same species and share a similar physiology, then we must experience things in the same way. We also know that the color red is a very specific spectrum of the of of the um, the light spectrum. Oh yes, that's the physical thing. But what about your perception? How do I know that what you see is red is what I see is red? We know. In other words, how
2: do you how do you know that what I see as red might not be blue to
3: you? Is that what yeah, you mean? I guess. I
2: guess. <laughs> it, that is exactly I don't think, it. I think if that were the case, humanity would be pretty
3: pretty screwed up, actually. I don't think any Not true, species yeah, could function. I, I, okay. but there I'm are just colorblind
2: u- people. That's another I'm issue. I'm
3: just using it as an example mm-hmm. of can you get into another person's mind to demonstrate a concept? And you cannot. We have to go on the basis of what we know. We know that your physiology is the same as mine. We know that you have two eyes and I have two eyes. And that you have an occipital lobe and I have an occipital lobe, blah, blah, blah. So, I what not you I see is. <laughs>
5: you
3: do. See, I learned something today. <laughs> so, we, we can deduce from all this knowledge that what you see is red is what I see as red, right? Except there are anomalies out there. People are, can be colorblind. And we can test for that. But my point is, I think, valid in that when you're using the mind to discover the mind, it's tautological, it's, it's a little difficult. <laughs> There's one final point in the debate I'd like to touch on, and that is... It's the
2: same problem physicists have with studying the universe, being in the universe. You can't step out of the universe and look Mm -hmm. at it, right? That's right. And and, And that means every time you do an experiment on the object you're studying, you're affecting it by your study. Yes. And that creates a complete
3: problem that we could spend the show on right. that we're not
2: going there right now
3: there's another uh, point in the debate that i'm going to take after this next uh, break and it's the tautological nature of the argument of free of uh, in favor of free will but we're going to tackle that right after this uh, break
2: okay
1: there's no way the chairman approves a reset this is your fault
0: hey w- w- what's going on here look at this
1: questions will burn in him till the day he dies He won't stop searching for answers. He won't quit. We'll have to watch him. Forever. Make sure he doesn't talk. Endless ripple effects. Who the hell are you guys? We... are the people who make sure things happen according to plan. My name's Richardson. I can read your mind. Yeah, really. Pick a color. Blue. Pick a number, 17. Now, why are you still thinking about running? I don't really know what's going on here. But you've just seen behind a curtain that you weren't even supposed to know existed. Must be jarring. It's not your fault. Your path through the world this morning was supposed to have been adjusted. You were supposed to spill your coffee as you entered the park this morning. You would have gone upstairs to change, you would have missed the bus. And you would have arrived at work ten minutes later than you did we would have been gone. I
3: was supposed to spill my coffee.
1: We call that an adjustment. See, sometimes when people spill their coffee or their internet goes out or, or they misplace their keys, they think it's chance. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's us. Nudging people back on plan. Sometimes when nudging isn't enough, management authorizes a recalibration. We deploy our intervention team and they change your mind for you.
7: Frustrating, isn't it? My name is Thompson.
0: Whatever happened to free will?
7: We actually tried free will before. After taking you from hunting and gathering to the height of the Roman Empire, we stepped back to see how you'd do on your own. You gave us the Dark Ages for five centuries until finally we decided we should come back in. The chairman thought that maybe we just needed to do a better job with teaching you how to ride a bike before taking the training wheels off again. So we gave you the Renaissance, the Enlightenment, the scientific revolution. For 600 years we taught you to control your impulses with reason. Then in 1910 we stepped back. again. Within 50 years you'd brought us World War One, the Depression, fascism, The Holocaust and capped it off by bringing the entire planet to the brink of destruction in the Cuban Missile Crisis. At that point, a decision was taken to step back in again before you did something that even we couldn't fix. You don't have free will, David. You have the appearance of free will.
3: The appearance of free will. Yes, I disagree with that concept (laughs) to the root.
2: And the yeah. examples that fellow used were ridiculous. Reason caused World oh, War I and know. World War II. And what did the mysticism of the previous ages that we called the Dark Ages cause, I wonder?
3: That's from Jeez. the Adjustment Bureau <laughs> with Matt Damon, okay? What do you want? Okay. All right. I sh- I just use it as an example mm-hmm. of how Hollywood, again, is using determinism and free will to, to generate uh, income. <laughs> but anyway, so where, where were we? Uh, when, get, uh, when discussing terms like free will... Or will, but I, by the way, I like to. I'd prefer to use the word will because I think it encapsulates what we're talking about more than the word free will. Well, that's because most people think
2: free means free from the laws of reality, and free doesn't mean that. Free means free from coercion. It means free from the will of another person, mm. of another body. Like this guy was sitting there, we're going to make your mind up for you. We're yeah. going to. Ch- that's what you're free from. There's nobody telling you to do that. That's why I agree and with that. And therefore, free will is properly defined you could say it's a determined will
3: mm-hmm.
2: okay, in the sense of but, but that's like mixing the categories but two not determined by, in this particular case, in this a chairman s- or no, no, a god no, 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 no. and that's why i don't even like using that yeah. but it's not it's not an illusion it bothers me when people say that the idea of free will being free from reality is but it doesn't exist and in refuting that often determinists go too far by refuting the whole concept of will in and of itself and excluding I, it from the deterministic path and i say so that the advocates believe of in. free
3: will go too far when they suggest that free will is free from rules of reality and, and therefore do, basically, that's not me. basically disproving their point yes that's <laughs> not me though <laughs> yeah. so uh, oh and by the way i just got to say this that uh, when uh, when we were on the break our uh, our controller, Ed,
2: <laughs>
3: had to say that the example of being able to see whether or not your red is my red, he called it a red hearing. <laughs> yeah, didn't like that yeah. example at all, but okay. Thanks Thanks for that, Ed. <laughs> So when discussing the terms like free will, will, choice, decisions, making up one's own mind, we use these same terms, these same concepts, to arrive at the conclusion that these concepts exist. For example, if I decide that free will exists then I've used the notion that free will exists to establish that I have free will. Likewise, if I use the term that I have decided that our decisions are determined, then I have disproved my case of determinism by using the concept of free will. So at this rate, we can run around in circles and chase our tails forever. The best way to consider will, or free will, is to classify it as a strictly epistemological concept ...as a subset of a broader deterministic metaphysical realm. And I think this is where this is the point of agreement for us. I point. think
2: so. You're, you're hitting an area where yeah.
3: I can't argue with you right now. Now, it may sound contradictory, but I think that cuts to the chase of the debate. The notion of causality is a metaphysical one. Not quite axiomatic, because it can be further reduced to entities and actions... ...but at least one step removed from being axiomatic. The notion of will is an epistemological axiom. As you said before, Bob, it can't be broken down. It's an epistemological primary. All knowledge and all human action begins with the concept that we have will and that we can make choices. I think this is true. Without the term will, all human action becomes meaningless in an epistemological sense. Not a metaphysical sense, but in an epistemological sense, they become meaningless what defines us as human is our ability to recognize that although we live in a causal universe and are subject to the immutable laws of physics and ironically we have the sense that we are in control of our actions that we can make decisions to choose values to act morally or immorally to make up our own minds free will is humanity's way of recognizing our nature as humans in this deterministic world so how do we proceed from here where do we go from here how should we act, knowing that our thoughts and our actions are in fact determined by preceding causes? As anyone can play a musical instrument knows, when you first took the practice, took up the practice of playing, you had to consciously think of every element of playing. For the piano, you had to, for example, you had to think constantly about which note came after which note, how to place your fingers, how to use the pedals, where to put your hands. The result was that you played slowly, making several mistakes until you learned to play as if it was second nature to you. Now, an accomplished pianist no longer thinks of where to place his hands on the keyboard. They just go there out of physical memory of practice in fact uh, when i do play the piano if i mm-hmm. look at the keyboard i get
2: screwed up i know <laughs> it's 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 really a strange phenomenon there you know yeah. because it's almost like there's another part of your body that eventually learns the moves it's true it's, it's like a uh, physical exercise too in certain ways too yeah the, rep- the repeated motion becomes ingrained through habit
3: yes yes yeah. now the same is true for typists i found it mm-hmm. uh, when i was I, typing this i thought the same thing if i were to think of every placement of every letter on my keyboard I wouldn't be able to type any better than if I had just taken up learning how to type. And I, by the way, I touch type at about 54 words a minute, so which isn't too bad. So too, we must proceed as if our thoughts... By the way, you know, I touch type, and I couldn't tell you where the letters on the keyboard are. If somebody gave me a keyboard, I couldn't draw it, except for the first five, QWERTY. Q, Q- 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 yeah, B- R-T-Y, I would right?
2: be in the same boat. For six yeah.
3: yeah. So, I mean, that that illustrates the example that you can't think about things too much if you want to accomplish them and i think that this is where we have to go with uh because thought
2: is an action and when when you're engaged in thought you're replacing one action with the other action mainly the movement of your fingers Mm -hmm. right and that's why i remember when i took typing they had they didn't put the the letters on the keys that was the way they forced forced you to remember them yes and then they taught you j i j
3: j i (laughs) all day long (laughs) yeah so I think that's where we have to go from if we're going to be talking about determinism. You know, we must proceed as if our thoughts were not caused by the millions of factors leading up to that thought. If we were to th- contemplate why we thought of something every time we thought of something, we'd go mad, and become catatonic and unable to function. You know? Well, it even goes beyond that, Robert. To me,
2: the, the debate is a little. When people say, "Well, every action is caused," I go, "Yeah. What's your point?" that's uh, it exactly that's, that's, like and and in a way i'm still in that sense right now like you're not i know you believe in free will but you seem very um in, i don't know engrossed in 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 making sure we understand this thing about determinism and you're not the only person of my acquaintances that feels strongly about this so i a I little i wonder about it sometimes
3: what's what is the significance of it to say that everything's determined I think that I think that you're absolutely right. You know, we've got to go on the notion that free will is not an illusion and that we have a will of our own and that we can formulate thoughts without consideration to the millions of preceding causes as to how we got them. To do anything else I think is going to be counter to our nature and we have to develop a notion of free will so that we don't have to concern ourselves with how we, how we think the way we do. It's a useful concept and I think that in respect one one should say that Free will exists. On reflection, of course, we know better, but, <laughs> you know, that's all i got to say well, on the issue. You know, I actually... shouldn't say that that's all i got to say on the oh, issue. No, I there... could write a book on this well, issue. Well,
2: I've almost done as much, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot more to say on this, but it, it, it really gets interesting in the point of you can ask the same questions on each side of the scale. Uh, you know, if, if, for example, you can say if free will is an illusion, well, why isn't determinism an illusion? Um, and and how was. do you know? And, you know, the objectivists (laughs) argue generally that the whole deterministic argument falls into a a trap of, of, um, I forget what they call it, it's it's a basic um, thing about uh, reductionism, that's what they call it, and the idea is that if you could reproduce the same physical events two times in, in a row, the same thing would happen each time. That is right? correct. However, there's a problem with that. But you can't do that, so you can't uh, test exactly. it. Exactly, so it can never be tested, and therefore they argue that since it hasn't been tested, and since we do not know, but only infer from all this fantasy stuff we're doing, like, oh, maybe we can make another choice. Maybe we can set up... But it's not a possibility. Time does not right. give you that option. And that's where the flaw in the argument is, I think. It, you, you can't even... Make that argument because it's no, never no. been done, nor no, is disagree. it doable unless
3: you think you can go back in time. I don't think it's a flaw in an argument. I mean, you, you just because you cannot do something doesn't mean that we can't uh, reason what would happen if such things happen. Much like I'm talking about that color red again. Right. We can make determinations well, based what, on our let knowledge. Let me ask you this question: Suppose that, with all your assumptions, and because it seems
2: very logical, and it does to me too, that if you had the exact same parameters and the same position set up, the same thing would happen. What would we say if we could do that and then it didn't
3: happen, something else happened? Then I think that we'd have to infer things of a supernatural nature. No you wouldn't. No, uh, I think that's the natural conclusion. <laughs> okay, if giving all the preceding It uh, means preceding there's something else you don't know. What what?
2: Because an atom goes left instead of no, right.
3: No, you you set up the you set up the experiment in that we, we make sure that we know all of the preceding causes. So if we know all of the preceding causes and conduct the experiment again... But you don't
2: know all of the the antecedent effects. I
3: didn't say that. No, no, I'm not talking about the future. I'm talking about the past. If you knew every single event that led up to uh, to an action and repeated it, then yes, it should exactly have the same effect. If it doesn't, and you knew for sure all of the preceding causes, then there has to be some supernatural element that cannot be uh, Fascinating point. Of what value is that to me as knowledge? That's the whole point, isn't it? It's useless. That's the whole point.
2: It is not knowledge. We have to proceed as if we have free will. No, you you proceed because you have free will, not (laughs) as if. And that's what bothers me. You want
3: to dismiss the
2: deterministic argument, and yet you're a determinist yourself. No, no, you can't say that you have free will, but it's an illusion. You either have it or you don't. If it's an illusion, you don't have it. That's how we have it. It's a concept. Hey, we got to go. Oh, no. Because (laughs) it's been determined that we're getting off the air right now. (laughs) Okay, yeah, take her away. And we'll see you next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, you know what to do. Fade into
4: color Color into black and white
2: under the everything will be alright. You know what the hardest language to learn in the whole world is? You guys know the hardest language in the whole world? Everyone has different answers. English, American English. Ebonics! Ebonics, there you go. It wasn't hard for me. I've been using Ebonics the whole time. <laughs> but it's true. English is the hardest language in the whole world. It really is. If you don't
3: believe me, I'll prove it to you. <laughs> we have to take English in school.